Hey, it's Bill Simmons. Wanted to tell you about House of Carbs, hosted by one of my best friends, Joe House. I've known him since 1988, and the entire time I've known him, he's been very, very hungry. And now he has a chance to host a podcast about being hungry, all the things that make him hungry, the food that he loves. It is a podcast by the hungry for the hungry. And it's not your typical foofy food podcast where they're talking about foie gras and all that stuff. No, no. We're talking about diners. We're talking about fried chicken sandwiches, pizza slices, best Chinese food. Everything you, everything you talk about with food is on this podcast and with great guests like David Chang, uh, Chris Bianco, Jimmy Kimmel, a bunch of people coming up. All of them love food. Nobody loves food quite as much as Joe House. But listen, check this out. Subscribe right now to House of Carbs wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, guys? It's your girl, WWE superstar, the legit boss, Sasha Banks. Hey, this is WWE superstar Braun Strowman. My name's Kevin Owens. I'm uh, Shinsuke Nakamura. I'm AJ Styles, the phenomenal one, if you will, and you're listening to The Masked Man Show. And you are listening to The Masked Man Show. And you're listening to The Masked Man Show. Welcome to The Masked Man Show. I'm David Shoemaker. I'm here with very special guests returning from up north. Mm-hmm. The Hollywood heartthrob. Oh, sorry, the Silver Lake oh, heartthrob, Steve Kazee. Wow. I was going to call <laughs> you the nature so boy, but we'll circle back around to that. How you doing, Steve? I'm good, man. How are you? Good. Shouts to Dave Schilling, who is still celebrating the birth of his son. Yeah, really? How long is that going to go on? Uh, I thought you just have them, and then like a day later, you just like forget about them. Is that not how it works? I don't know, man. When I have a kid, I'm just gonna like take six months off life and just like use that as the excuse. I'm just gonna be at home watching wrestling, but right. yeah, that's what I'm gonna say. <laughs> right. Um. Anyway, we got a lot to talk about today. Um. Yeah. The past few weeks have been a weird, like, kind of like water treading, uh, vibe from uh WWE's product. Um, and now we have no shortage of topics right off the top. We have two really, I mean, we're, we're recording this on um, midday Wednesday in sunny California. And the, the two big things of the past 24 hours are one, AJ Styles shocked the world by beating, by beating uh, Jinder Mahal and becoming the SmackDown champion, which we all found out five hours early for. <laughs> like, yeah. I mean, that's sort of a very old school thing to tease a pre pre taped show to get people to tune in. Yeah. Although, I mean, we'll circle back around and talk, talk about this, but this, but like title changes don't happen on SmackDown no. world happy world. I mean, world title changes. Um, the last time a WWE title change hands on SmackDown was in 2000, September 2003 when Brock Lesnar beat Kurt Angle. Whoa. The only, the, oh, this is all credit to, uh, to, to Falcon Arrow on Squared Circle. The only people, who, superstars in WWE history to win the WWE title on SmackDown are Brock Lesnar, Vince McMahon, and now AJ Styles. Holy shit. So anyway, that's... I didn't, even, I didn't realize that. Yeah, that's big news. The other big news, as announced for some reason on Twitter today by Shane McMahon, is that the fifth member of the Survivor Series team uh, on the SmackDown side is none other than John Cena. Which, he must be a busy guy if the best idea that he'd come up with was to tweet this out on a Wednesday morning. Yeah, something's up. Something's going on. There's a lot of things going on. There's like something in the mix. Rusev uh, tweeted congratulations. He said congrats to my friend John Cena who qualified for the Survivor Series fair and square. Go get him, Tiger. Go get them, Tiger. (laughs) I love that. Um, Shouts to Rusev. He's one of my favorite things in the world. And uh, and so, yeah, Survivor Series is uh, has a whole new has a whole new face now. Uh, We'll come back to that. Yeah. But before we circle back to WWE, it's the fourth time I've said circle back, I think, on the show today. So that's our theme. Um, hashtag circle back. Hashtag under siege. <laughs> Shane McMahon is definitely going to steal circle back. Um, the, before we get to that, we have a couple of really non-WWE things to talk about or non-specific to WWE's product. First, uh, I guess, is uh, is jericho chris jericho and kenny omega are apparently fighting at wrestle kingdom it, it appears as so i'm trying to figure out how to get over there to be honest really i feel like it's I, look I, I i yeah i feel like it's gonna be 
10 star match. I just, those two guys together, come on. That's what the, I mean, even Jericho past his prime is still pretty damn good. Yeah. I mean, I think the thing you see, and we're going to talk about the Ric Flair 30 for 30 in a minute, uh, but to, to draw a parallel to the Nature Boy, I mean, Flair was capable of having really high caliber matches up until the very end. Yeah. It was just, he had to sort of be shaken out of the routine that he was accustomed to doing. And yeah. I, and honestly, I don't know what the, what his motivation for his better matches were. I mean, I, certainly fighting Shawn Michaels at WrestleMania is, you know, a, a, the sort of motivation, but like for the other, for his other good matches, I think that's what Jericho need. I mean, I, I, and Wrestle Kingdom very well may be enough to, to get him to, you know, break out his bag of tricks. It's also out from under the corporate banner of WWE. So, like, it can be a little more um, loose. It doesn't have to be so sort of, you know. Sure. um, Corporate. uh, Yeah. Stock traded, you know. Yeah. I mean, there was that weird stretch where Jericho Mm -hmm. came back and was only working house shows. And he was doing that for six months or however many months before they put him on TV again. He just liked to be on the road, liked to work. Right. Uh, If there wasn't anything for him, he was happy to go pop the crowd. But yeah, he was sort of working a house show style for like the last three years of his career in a certain yeah. way. You know, there's a lot. I, of- I think if it was three years ago, I wouldn't be as excited. But the fact that he came back and got to the level that he got right before he sort of took a break again, like mm-hmm. I mean, he was hot. He was white hot. Yeah. And then the Kevin Owens friendship broke up, and, uh, and then you know he went <laughs> he went away, but he went away at the height of the list. I- I have to, before we, I mean, touching on Chris Jericho, I'm not even sure if this was, Jim, you can tell me. I don't even know if this was on the podcast last week or if it was after we stopped recording, but Nick Mundy was the guest. Nick works with Jericho, and I asked him what was coming up and what was next on Jericho's, uh, like when we'd see him again. Yeah. And he did not even say anything about New Japan. There was no, there was no, oh, you'll find out soon enough. <laughs> Mundy. Mundy just, Mundy just worked me, man. I mean, that was some serious, <laughs> serious kayfabe. If that, assuming he knew, I mean, I can't imagine this was a surprise to him. Yeah. But anyway, yeah, I mean, uh, Jericho Omega is is a dream match by just about any definition. For sure. Um, I I just, I mean, I, I just hope it lives up to the match they're having in my head. You know, I mean, it, I mean, that's always the problem with these big time matches like that, right? Yeah. Is like it, in my brain, it's going to just be this incredible, you know, thirty minute like great work and mm-hmm. it could end up being just like stiff and boring for all we know but i don't i just don't see those two they're so similar they're so yeah. similar in styles and they communicate in the same way in the ring and i just feel like it's going to be like watching two really great dancers like pull off a routine yeah you know? i mean i hope so yeah just although just... i will say like his his matches with aj styles were not great they were a lot they fell flat a lot there when they wrestled like four times in a row what was it, like a year and a half ago starting at WrestleMania, I think. Yeah, and that's presumably with, you know, a, 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 some time to, to get comfortable with each yeah. other. And AJ makes anybody look good. I could have a I could have a three-star match with AJ tomorrow. I mean, just Jinder Mahal, from, might, I think, might have had a three-and-a-half-star match on Tuesday night. I disagree about this. I've seen a lot of this on the internet. Like, it's not hard to make Jinder Mahal. Like, that's what I'm saying about AJ Styles. Just yeah. stepping in the ring with him, you're already going to have a good match. Yeah, no, that's what I mean. But I, Jinder Mahal is the worst wrestler that I've ever watched ooh. in a ring. That's not true. Yes, it is absolutely. Did you see him move around the <laughs> ring last night? If you're that jacked and that athletic or that sort of you look that way, you should be able to run. You should be able to like duck and things like that. The guy can't. He's stiff. He's like slow. I'm so happy that Jinder Mahal he, is finished. He well, we'll, just, we'll talk later about whether or not he's finished, but he doesn't have to run around when he has the Singh brothers there to do it for yeah, him. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I just feel like, I don't know. Look, we all know what, oh, yeah, we'll talk about it later. All right. Um... I have strong feelings. If you woke up from a coma mm. uh, after five years of sleep, mm-hmm. um, I think someone asked this question on Reddit too. And, and some might say that after spending a significant amount of time working in New York City, you have just woken up from a coma. A three-month coma, up, for sure. Upon returning. Yeah. And somebody told you that, that uh, Chris Jericho was wrestling in New Japan. While still working for WWE, the AJ Styles is your is one of two WWE champions. Mm-hmm. Um, that Kurt Angle and Shane McMahon are captaining your Survivor Series teams. I mean, this is just all. It's so crazy. Yeah, it makes none of it makes any damn sense. But back to the Jericho thing, real quick. I'm not so much interested in how great that match is going to be. I want to know what WWE is getting back from New Japan. 
Because there's no way Jericho gets to go there without something coming back. Is he really under contract with them? I mean, he's got to be, right? If not even, if not under contract, then at least informally, like branded to the company. I don't. Think it would you be crazy. Like, yeah, Chris I Jericho. mean, w- whether or not there's a contract, it would be sort of nuts for him to burn a bridge, right? With it when he there's has no way. lifetime, you know, potential employment. Yeah. Um, but again, if you had woken up from a coma after five years, the, the craziest thing of all might be that that Ric Flair has a 30 for 30 documentary on, on ESPN or I that mean, any wrestling subject is. I there. think the craziest thing is that Ric Flair would st- still alive. That'd oh. be the first thing I'd be like, no way. Really? <laughs> still He's not alive? that old, man. Um, He's 170 by like body damage. Sure. Okay. So, I mean, and that is actually uh, what, uh, what a good bit of the, of the nature boy, yeah. the, uh, the 30 for 30 documentary directed by Rory Karf uh, that debuted on premiered on ESPN last night was about. Yeah. Um, what was that director's name again? Rory Karp. Yeah, I didn't see it enough during that. <laughs> Steve's actually working heel on ESPN here, so I don't have to. Um, I wrote a piece about it on a, on the ringer.com yesterday. Um, I, you know, as a, as a, you know, matter of disclosure, am some involved to a very small degree with, uh, in this Andre the Giant documentary that, that Bill Simmons and, right. And uh, Jason Hare and and uh, HBO are doing, um, and so I have a little bit of like firsthand insight into the difficulty of trying to do a documentary about a wrestler's life, uh, yeah. and and it, and and, I, and honestly, like I I had you know I had some qualms with the with with Nature Boy, but like you know I think one of the di- most difficult things it had to wrestle with, pun very much intended, was just wrangling this entire i mean literal life into a 90 minute or whatever documentary it was yeah. a i mean they started with him being born yeah you know and and all the way through till well i mean we'll, we can talk about the ending later but all the way through till more or less the present day um i think it's hard as a wrestling fan um well there's two things one as a wrestling fan you're gratified that like there's a 30 for 30 about wrestling right but if you're but when you're watching it and I wrote about this. We're so used to these like two hour podcast interviews and shoots on YouTube and like we like and just endless articles being written. There's there's almost never a time as a wrestling fan where you feel like you didn't get enough of a thing with the exception of a weird five minute match. There's no way to watch Nature Boy and not in every little segment say like, I wish I could have seen more of that. Yeah, that's the I, 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 the thing that I, I took my couple of takeaways was number one, it really made me miss kayfabe. It really made me miss those days of like believing to a certain extent that these people are these people because sure. last night was really about seeing the flawed man mm-hmm. behind the nature boy more so than i think it was celebrating like you know the wildness of rick flair yeah um so that was my first thing is it just sort of made me long for those days because i do think that when rick flair goes he's sort of the last of a breed i don't know who would be the next closest guy who lived his gimmick lived his gimmick like Mm -hmm. in a way that like people just don't do anymore yeah you know finn balor doesn't live his gimmick his gimmick stays in the ring with him you know and and so it made me sort of long for those days in in a nostalgic sense but the the second thing that i sort of took away from it was that you know it it, it, it's a it is such a dark industry and as fans we sort of we it's like people who still like watch football you can't watch football these days without thinking about cte sure. right so i can't watch wrestling without thinking about these guys that suffered and everybody who's died early and you know the toll it takes on bodies and mm-hmm. things so to me it was like a stark reminder of like just how much these guys give for our entertainment and yeah. how sometimes we're uh we neg- we're not very appreciative of that we don't sort of see that side of it you know when we badmouth people or trash talk you know <clears> decisions and Things like that. So those were my two biggest takeaways from it. I, I thought it was a flawed documentary much in the way that he's a flawed man. But how do you encompass that guy's life in 90 minutes? Like you said, like, yeah, he's he's so, he's such a legend. He's almost like a Sasquatch. You know, it's like, it's true. Is it a real thing or is it not? And I don't think, even think he knows. You know, he tried to fight me in a bar once. We've had that conversation. We have, have we had it on the podcast? I don't know if we did or not, but I, I, I don't want to go into it. <laughs> Living the gimmick. Well, I mean, and that's part part of what I wrote about in my piece was that I felt like the documentary actually spent a little bit too much time. Like, I mean, it's, it's, it was interested in the concept of wrestling in a lot of ways and tried to use Rick as the vessel. And so there was, they spent a lot of time on this 
Ric Flair versus Richard Fleer thing, which I don't really think is that significant a distinction. No. I mean, Rick was Rick said in the in the documentary that, you know, Richard Fleer was a guy that finished a year of college and then Ric Flair took over or whatever. Yeah. But it's like that's not this like evidence of some like split personality. That's evidence that he like grew up and be, and just fully became the character. Yeah. I mean, you said you talked about him being him living the gimmick and him being flawed. I mean, he did live the gimmick. I mean, I don't think anybody would have watched a Ric Flair promo in the Crockett studio in the eighties and just be like, I bet he's a great dad. You yeah, know I mean? It, was, it no wasn't, it, I mean, it was it, like, I don't you think anybody knew he was a dad. Right. Right. I mean, but even time. if you did, you'd be like, oh, I'm sure he barely ever sees kids or, yeah. you know, and if, and you would assume he was out drinking every night cause he talked about it. Yeah. You know I mean? This was the, the, the gimmick and the guy were just basically the same thing for almost his entire life. Yeah. I think that, you know, there's two, two quotes that I really loved from the documentary was the one, I guess it was an ESPN writer. Marty Smith. I didn't feel Hulk Hogan, man. I felt Ric Flair. I felt an authenticity in Ric Flair that he was really living what he was saying. Couldn't have agreed more with that statement. Like, I never felt Hulk Hogan, but mm-hmm. I felt Ric Flair, and I still today feel Ric Flair when he's in the ring. Sure. There's just something about the magic of him being inside of a ring, even at 70 years old. And then the other one is at the end when they ask him, what does he want to be remembered for? You know, it's easy to say you want to be thought of as the best father that ever lived, but I wasn't. And I certainly wasn't the best husband. So I guess I'll just have to settle for wanting to be thought of as the greatest wrestler and the most entertaining wrestler that ever lived. And I thought it was the most honest moment of the thing because he's like, look, I I was not a great dad. I wish I could say I was. And I was a terrible husband. Mm -hmm. So I guess I just want to be known as the greatest wrestler of all time. Yeah. And that sums it all up. That sums it up why he's still doing, still kicking, still fighting. You know, he's not going to get pinned uh, until I think he wants to. He's proven that time and time again. The stuff about his his kids was I mean, really tough, not yeah. just from the kind of absentee father stuff all the way through till you know, Reed's death. Yeah. And, um, and you know, Charlotte becoming champion, which he said, and he said before, was the proudest moment of his career. That I think is, I mean, no, I mean, without trying to offend anybody, that feels like a work too, you know, it's, <laughs> like, sure, that's it's a work. just like the, 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 you know, like Triple H and he said, I mean, Ric Flair's full of shit. Yeah. You know, I mean, he tells you what you, what it is you want to hear. Rick is a consummate liar. He only will tell you what he wants you to hear. You know, I think to a large extent that, you know, when he, if he had the split personalities, the living kayfabe, like whatever it is, it's a tough, the, 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 the veil of kayfabe is a tough thing for any documentarian to penetrate, yeah. right? Especially when your subject is there in front of you. Well, then you're left wondering too, how much of this is kayfabe that I'm watching at, at the moment? You know, what am I getting? Cause those old guys, they can't let it go. So like how much of real Ric Flair am I getting in this documentary? Sure. And you especially know? when they're, when you're like, you know, doing, when there's like cartoon segments to illustrate yeah. things that are happening and, and clearly like the cartoons are, are you know based on the stories that rick flair is telling yeah. and then occasionally other people too although uh, i do i did love seeing him and the undertaker in the back of that limo yeah <laughs> that was really so great strange. um the undertaker's appearance i mean i guess it's th- this is actually one of the things that made me think of the andre documentary because i know that there's going to be some without giving anything away there's some stuff in there that's just never no one's ever seen before right and I just, and I said this to the director, it's like, I just wish that we could put like a Chiron or have like a, like a burst pop up. That's like, Hey, this is new. We did this, right. you know, it's not just reconstructing history that everybody knows in a different format. Right. And yeah. And Undertaker giving like the totally like out of kayfabe interview yeah. was a huge moment. Yeah. Um, but there's really nothing you can, I mean, there's not there, you know, I wish there was a way that they could have called more attention. And then you have Road Warrior in full makeup. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Like, Wait, what and Rick Flair's first wife, that was her first interview. Uh, yeah. I mean, which was, you know, I mean, that's, that's a big deal too. Yeah. Um, there was a lot of really cool stuff in the documentary. I think it's like you said about sometimes matches not living up to the hype in your head. I think yeah. I've been waiting for this documentary sure. so long that it just, the hype in my head was way too much. Well, I- yeah. I mean, the, the, the great 30 for thirties have been very, you know, narrow manageable subjects. I think I texted this last night. Um, even Roy Carp's last one was about, it was called I Hate Christian Leitner. It was right. about like Ducate. You I know what I mean? That's that a one. very, very like pointed, like easy, like easy to digest subject. As a lifelong Kentucky Wildcats fan, <laughs> I loved that documentary. Um, it was a lot of fun. But yeah, I mean, but it was, this is just, it was, it was a lot. It was a lot to try to, a lot to try to get through mm. in 90 minutes. And, uh, and, and the thing with Flair is, you know, as opposed to maybe some other wrestlers' life stories is that 
it's not one narrative. You know, it wasn't a matter of him getting to the top. I wrote in the piece the most important, the most significant moment in his life wasn't winning the title. It was surviving that plane crash and making the comeback and becoming the nature boy. Um, and, and, you know, I mean, that's a real life battle, yeah. you know? I mean, he, he, he overcame a ton of adversity and then yeah. did again, um, and did again after filming ended, which, which I think is the, you know, the real interesting takeaway is that, is that the, I mean, the entire, like the, the second half of the documentary was obsessed with like Rick's mortality. Yeah. And Rick, and he said, he said in the documentary, you know, I don't know how I'm alive, you know, with everything I've done to myself. It's a, and, and then, I mean, just, I mean, I don't even know the right, you know, turn of phrase for it. But then after, you know, after the cameras turn off, he, he ended up almost dying. Yeah. We all know he's in the hospital for a, um, over a month. Yeah. Um, and I think, I think a medically induced coma, I mean, was really, was really on, on death's door for a long time and is, and is, you know, on the comeback trail right now. But it's, it's always amazing to me in pro wrestling, the most exciting stuff happens off screen outside yeah. of the ring with the cameras turned off. And this is like a perfect metaphor for that. The entire thing is like, how are you still alive after all this stuff, after yeah. all this drinking, after all this, like, you know, wrestling. And then, you know, the documentary ends and, and Ric Flair almost dies. Yeah. It's pretty crazy. Can't make it up. Um, I mean, I feel like we could talk about this documentary for hours. Is there anything else you, any, any other highlights for you? I mean, there were a lot, but I, I don't know. I think, I think we've covered it. I honestly thought I read your article before I watched the, the documentary and I actually thought your article nailed it for me after I, after I watched it. I, th- I think you had all the right points in it. So I would encourage anybody to go read it because I, I thought it was a pretty good assessment of the, the entire piece. It's just, you know, Rick is like a complicated guy. It's like, you can't help, but when you see him be fascinated and your nostalgia kicks in. And then, like I said, you know, then he tries to fight you over a seat at a bar and it's like, you're like, okay, well, I don't, I don't mind because it's a story for me and I feel bad for you because you, he was wasted. It was, you know, two o'clock in the afternoon, but yeah. Yeah, it's still a story for me. And, and you pull for him, you root for the guy, you, you know, he's a part of my whole childhood. Yeah. I was never a Hulk Hogan guy. I was always a Ric Flair guy. I was always a WCW NWA actually for me when I was really sure. young. You know, we, at WWE was like Northern folk for us. You uh-huh. know, we wanted the good Southern boys, the four horsemen. Like, has there ever been a better faction? I don't think so. No. I don't think so. Yeah, I mean, it was sort of like, we, I mean, we, this is another, just another example of how the, the documentary, which wasn't really for us. It's great that it exists and it was wonderful and I've watched it a hundred times again in my life, yeah. but it was for the casual, like the general, a general audience, yeah. you know, and watching when they went to the Four Horsemen segment, I thought about how we will spend episodes of podcasts arguing over the best lineup of the Four Horsemen yeah. and they did it in like a, you know, 30 second photo montage of like, hey, you know, it was just like all of a sudden Lex Luger's in a picture and then that, then they're in a different picture and yeah. it's like, oh, okay, well, that's all we're going to get. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. I mean, it was, it, yeah, I mean, it was just a lot of stuff and he is a complicated guy and that's yeah. what I always tell, I think, you know, I mean, I always tell regular, you know, non-wrestling specific writers when they're trying to tackle wrestling or documentarians, anyone that I've talked to, I'm just like, what you're going to hear from everyone is bullshit. Yeah. And what, and, and the job is going to be figuring out the truth between all the bullshit, you know, like when that's fu- when it works so well is yeah. when you, when I, at this point in my life, don't know what's a work or not mm-hmm. is my favorite time in wrestling. Well, I think that's a good segue. Thank you. The most interesting stuff is when you don't know what the truth is, you know, the stuff that's happening off screen before we get to that stuff. Let's take a quick break. Hey, it's Bill Simmons. I want to tell you about the Ringer's Gambling Podcast. It is called Against All Odds with Cousin Sal, and you're not going to believe this, but it is hosted by Cousin Sal, the biggest degenerate gambler that I know. He's such a degenerate. He has three other degenerates that he calls the degenerate trifecta, and they break down every conceivable gambling thing you would ever want to gamble on. They even take you to Captain Morgan's Make Believe Casino, where Sal makes up props on, on all kinds of things, sports, pop culture, you name it. You are going to want to get your gambling advice from these guys. Cousin Sal, he's been a staple on the BS podcast for the last 10 years. So good that we gave him his own podcast. Check it out. Against All Odds with Cousin Sal. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Most interesting stuff in pro wrestling world is, uh, is you know, when you can't tell what's real, what's not. When you just spend your time imagining the chessboard that Vince McMahon is moving pieces around on backstage. Yeah. Survivor Series 2017 
is um what to a week a, a eleven week days half. away. Yeah. Um, gonna be live in Houston, Texas. It's gonna be big. I feel like the last few weeks we keep on running down the card because we're because the shilling or Monday whoever it is we're like trying to figure out what this show is gonna look like. Yeah. Because they're hyping it up like this, you know, whatever. But but like obviously there's not enough spots on the teams to accommodate everybody. After this week, I feel like we have a really good idea of what the car, the shape of the card. You would think, but I'm not so certain anymore. But we just don't know. Yeah, I really don't know. Um, what do we have so far? Tag match between New Day and The Shield. Has that officially been announced? I, I We're just it, assuming that? I, I was assuming it. I think that that's a, stra- I think that's a fair assumption. That's, yeah. that's great. If that happens... That's great. That's the greatest icing on this show that you could possibly put on it. But then what do we do with the bar? What does the bar do at the at the show? Go up against who? Well, on, on a show this big, there's going to be people to get left off. Um, you can't leave your tag team champions off. There's no way. Oh, no, no, sorry. The bar are going to fight the Usos then. Oh, are they fighting the Usos? Yeah. Right. According to Wikipedia, which, by the way, I was telling Steve this before the show. Uh, regular listeners to, to the Mass Man Show probably remember that like the past three times I've tried to run down the Survivor Series card based on Wikipedia. There, like someone has entered a joke, and I, I think it. this goes back to the last pay per view. But it'll just be like I'm reading these with a straight face, and somehow like the Beverly Brothers are like in like a triple threat tag team match, and it's nuts. Yeah. Um, so I click on Wikipedia today to to see. It's probably actually looking to see if the Shield versus the New Day had been officially announced, and I see that John Cena has been added to the SmackDown team, and I was like, God damn it! Some some wik- hilarious Wikipedia <laughs> troll did it again. <laughs> They tricked me into thinking for one second that John Cena was on this team, and then I realized that it actually happened. Really bizarre. I mean, let's let's take let, let let's take a step back to AJ versus Jinder Mahal. Yeah, one of the greatest wrestling matches of all time. I'm just kidding, <clears throat> uh, but it was a good match, and you know, it was a surprise. I mean, even like you said, we knew it happened five hours ahead of time. Yeah, but watching it watching it live, it was. I mean, I was there, man. Like I was 100 percent in, and yeah. and um. It was just really well booked, really well choreographed. In front of that crowd too, as yeah. we all know, the the England crowds are always just so insane. Uh, they were just taking every bit of it. Now, in a vacuum, I would look at that match and say, Jinder Mahal will win the title back at the ne- on the next show or something. This is just like a this is a a, a title swap to pop a, a touring crowd, yeah. right? Um. And even if the, and even if I didn't think that, I would say, all right, this is a setup to put Jinder Mahal in a triple threat now, right? For the for the you know in the title versus title match at or not title versus title, but the champion versus champion match at Survivor Series. But then you get something like Shane tweeting that Cena's on the on the SmackDown team, and you're just like, are they really just making this up backstage by the seat of their pants? It feels like something's going on that we don't know about. Maybe I mean, look, you know, I I don't want to speculate <laughs> steroids. <laughs> that um, Jinder Mahal might be having, maybe he has a suspension coming up. Who knows? Because didn't that happen with Roman Reigns once? I feel like they uh, he had the wellness, he failed the wellness thing, but he did wrestle before, and like they took a, I thought they took a belt off. I, well, I that's, I mean, I, I don't, I mean, without speaking to either of these instances, yes, I mean, it's part of the wellness policy is that that you can continue wrestling to like drop a title or finish a storyline, but you're not getting paid, right? So it's like that's that's part of the deal. So maybe there's something there, or maybe there's not. Maybe this is a swerve, but I can't imagine you put that belt on AJ Styles, who who was consistently, let's just say it, like consistently the best performer on Monday Night Raw or uh-huh. Tuesday Night SmackDown. Like, he's just the best performer they yeah. have. If you wrestle with AJ Styles, you're going to have a decent match. Most likely, you're going to have a phenomenal match. No pun intended. Um, I totally agree. They had already announced a Rusev versus AJ Styles match f- to to see who t- would be the fifth member of the SmackDown team. Right. So if, I mean, I guess either either that was, either that was a shoot and the decision to put the belt on AJ happened really recently, and to bring John Cena out of mothballs happened real, you know, last minute, as the as the Shane tweet would make you would lead you to believe. Yeah. Or the Rusev AJ thing was a really brilliant swerve by WWE to make you think that it was just you know fait accompli, gender is going to retain by whatever chicanery. Shout out to Dave Schilling, and and then excuse me, they AJ would end up on the Survivor Series team. Yeah, I look, it's tricky because. You put AJ, like AJ Styles is the fifth member of that team. 
if not for what has just happened. Sure. So now you've got the situation, which makes me think it's planned even less. It's like you needed that, you had to get that belt off gender. Yeah. You put it on AJ, and now you don't have somebody to go on that spot because you're not, shout out to Rusev, but Rusev's not going to be that fifth guy. Right. Especially in a world where AJ Styles exists. So I think the plan was probably to have that match between Rusev and AJ, and then AJ goes over and ends up being on the, the team. But something has come up, which is why you then like haul John Cena out of like whatever movie set he's shooting on right now with his yeah. hair growing long. Um, <laughs> is there like just something's up that maybe we don't know about? Yeah, uh, I mean that could and be that might come out. That could be true. I mean, if you really want to deep dive into conspiracy theories, I mean. You could can you could connect this to the last pay per view where AJ Styles, you know, flew up from South America, right? Fought Finn Balor and then lost clean. I mean, I don't know that there's any anything behind that, but you know, a lot of the a lot of this sort of conspiratorial thinking, you you people will rope in things like, oh, that's why AJ lost clean. That's why it, right. it made sense for him to lose clean because we already had the the pieces were already in 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 place to make him and then put him in the main event at Survivor Series. Right. You know, he gets his he gets payback that way. Right. Um, but just, yeah, they it's, don't seem like a company to me that as much as they probably appreciated him doing that, it doesn't seem like uh to me that they'd be like, Oh, Hey, thanks for like flying up and helping us out. We'll put the belt on you for a week, but then you're going to drop it again. Yeah. Like, you just don't do that to that guy. If yeah, he's going to hold that title, he's going to hold it for a little while. And I'll be honest, man, I'd much rather see Brock Lesnar, AJ Styles any day than Brock oh, Lesnar, yes. Jinder Mahal. I mean, listen, I have a, I, I, I've enjoyed Jinder's championship run and I get a certain... I get a certain pleasure out of watching his big matches because they do have to like book them really deliberately. Yeah. Uh, you know, the, the Singh brothers are there to make things exciting all the time yeah. and to take bumps and do whatever. The idea that somebody thought that gender versus Brock was a good idea is intriguing to me. Again, think, you know, looking at like what's happening backstage is sometimes more, more interesting than what's happening in the ring. Right. I, I I would be interested to see what that looked like because somebody obviously greenlit that. If we if this thing comes down to like a triple threat, which I'll be very disappointed if it does, but if it does, because you know even thinking back like the Heyman promos, like Jinder Mahal calling him out, like that whole thing, there was just so much setup for him to not be involved in it. So if he's not going to be involved in it, and if this is a complete like shift in a new direction, there has to be something bigger coming that we just haven't heard yet. Or maybe it was just that Paul Heyman tore such a tore such a hole in Jinder Mahal on Raw. Was it last week that like was, he just yeah, couldn't recover? That was actually just that actually just destroyed him. Um, if they were going to do a triple threat, I don't even know why I'm fantasy booking right now. Yeah, I mean, if they if they were gonna if they were gonna do a triple threat, they should just put the NXT champ in there too. Oh, just put be, Drew, just put Drew McIntyre yeah, in the match. I'd take that because he would look good, but, but next to yeah. AJ and AJ yeah. and uh, Brock, I'd take that. Anyway. Let's run down the rest of the card. Uh, All right. It's part, I mean, so the raw the 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 women's the women's champion versus champion match is Alexa Bliss versus Natalia or Charlotte. Now, uh, the Natalia being in this role, I mean, I think she's you know earned it by any that by any way you want to look at it. Yeah. But for you know the way they were building the show, it was always a little bit surprising to me that they were going to leave Natalia in that position. Not because she couldn't do it, just because it was like she was a new champ, and it seemed like the sure thing would have been. Charlotte or you know something like that yeah um and now and now with all these other like switcheroos if I feel like Charlotte Charlotte's got to be the leader in the clubhouse to end up being in that match yeah I mean we put that belt on her maybe with another such I don't know man I, I feel completely like washed right now from all of this like yeah. trying to like you know that trying to <laughs> that that gift that exists with like all the mathematical equations floating yes. around that's what i feel like right now i'm just trying to make sense out of what's happening at wwe <laughs> yeah but i don't necessarily hate any of it it's just that i just don't know what's happening yeah um the miz versus baron corbin or sin cara who i guess has a shot coming up sin cara apparently just signed a giant new contract which is why he's getting all this screen time he also messed up his knee in yeah. a house show, but then like immediately magically recovered. So good job, good job. Uh, this Sin Cara as opposed right. to original Sin Cara, right? Um, he's definitely exceeding his uh his, the expectations there. Um, I, I think we want Miz Baron Corbin in that, don't we? I mean, they've I, been going I, at it on Twitter. Yeah, I don't want to see Miz and Sin Cara ever. Um, it's not a match I ever want to see. Team, let's see, Enzo versus Kalisto for the Cruiserweight Championship. Uh, yeah. Okay. 
Okay. Oh, the, the the other thing that we didn't talk about that I don't even know if it matters is my bruiser uh, weight. Yeah. Oh boy, I'm so happy Pete Dunn's here. Um, so happy. That guy to me is like the next big star for WWE. Pete Dunn? I think so. Like oh. maybe in the cruiser big, big big might be big might be the wrong choice of words. I just think yeah. he's got to me. He's like he's another like AJ Styles. He's got that kind of like charisma to him. He looks mean. He looks just like he looks like he would like be a pit bull. Yeah, but he's also a phenomenal wrestler. Like all, his working is so yes. good. For some reason, I'm always a little bit put off by the guys who wear like the singlet with the brief bottoms. Yeah. Um, I don't. I mean, it's sort of it's a, it's a King Kong Bundy outfit. You That's know, fair That's enough. It. but I will say I I I had a whole new take on Pete Dunne. Um, when I saw him in a turtleneck sweater and slacks at that ICW show, do you see this clip? No. Over the weekend, or over the weekend, I believe there was a or three day, yeah, there uh, there was an ICW show where Chris Jer- I mean, where where Pete Dunne was in the ring, and Triple H came out just to pop the crowd. He like made a special appearance and was like, "Thank you for being wrestling fans. This is what matters." Holy shit! I didn't see it. It was great. I mean, we'll we'll show you the video. It was hilarious because, uh, I mean, it was amazing that he was there. Um, I've seen all the Triple H with the Shield stuff, but I haven't seen. Uh, I'm just. Uh, I oh, I know is. we're on video right now, but there's so we're watching Pete Dunne in a nice turtleneck. Yeah, and then looks like a good Triple H is gonna Triple H is gonna come out. The crowd's gonna go nuts. Oh Everybody's chanting "Holy shit!" or whatever. Triple H is in a nice, uh, a very light looking leather jacket. Nothing. Yeah. Yeah, you're, you're wearing the legit leather jacket right now as we're recording this trip. I, I joined the Balor Club a few weeks ago. I don't know if anybody <laughs> knows that or not. I'm about ready to. Sport gold costs $800 and that costs 200 And I don't know what that cost. I'd be ashamed to wear it. It's really cool. Triple H came out. He, like, you know, there's no real entrance ramp. So we just sort of stood by the entrance for a minute and then got into the ring and spit water a couple of times. ICW, I've, I've seen a lot of ICW matches that I love. Actually, when, when Drew McIntyre was there, I had the same thing. Watching Triple H in this ring is sort of like when you had those old plush wrestle buddies and tried to put them in the plastic LGN ring and have a fight. Like, <laughs> right. these are, they're just way too big. Right. Like, the proportions are really off. <laughs> right. This is what Triple H standing in this ICW ring looks like but to this, me. This also goes to my point about thinking that Pete Dunne really has a big future with the company is that Triple H from day one has embraced that dude. Yeah. I mean, all the way back to Cruiserweight Classic. I mean, not uh, not Cruiserweight Classic. Uh, the, 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 UK the UK Championship. UK Championship. Yeah. I mean, he was the only guy person really with a character in that. Right. I mean, that, I mean we're with the storyline. But when you get Triple H standing in the ring with him at a house show for, you know, a different... It, it's just, to me, I just think that guy's one of... He's going to be the guy that they push in certain situations. And I think he and Enzo could have a lot of fun together. I mean, yeah. there's like... We needed somebody who could come along, <laughs> especially with Neville being gone. We needed somebody who could come along and really sort of even though he's a heel, be that sort of like anti-hero heel who comes in and, and kicks the ass of the guy who's annoying everybody right now. Yeah, totally agree. Um, uh, also, uh, your boy Pete Dunne is, gonna, is apparently fighting Johnny Gargano at, uh, at NXT War Games the night before Survivor oh, Series a, for the UK title. I'll take that match. I will too, man. I'll take that match. Anyway. Those are, you're right. I mean, those, Gargano and Dunne are two guys that, if they were six inches taller, would be headlining every show oh, in WWE. Every show. Um, but I do think we're sliding back towards like smaller wrestlers. If oh, no, no, like, we, de- we definitely know, so are. Like, there is a world to me where Pete Dunne could be a Daniel Bryan type, you know? Oh, sure. I think, I mean, I, I just don't know. I mean, we it's it's getting smaller and smaller. I mean, there's so many people who would have had no shot, Yeah. you know, a few years ago. I'm bigger than Finn Balor. Just remember that. You're bigger than most of the guys. Probably so. I don't. I mean, I, I've said before on this show that. If, Shout out to Finn Balor, though. I, no, I'm not challenging. You're not you better than Finn Balor. No, not at all. Um, Certainly don't have the abs. The, the, <laughs> nobody does. Nobody does. I've said before on this show that if you know an angel came down to me when I was in sixth grade and was just like, "You're gonna, you're gonna be way tall enough to be a WWE star," it might have changed the course of my life forever. For sure. I just thought I had to be like six eight. Yeah, back in the day, you did have to when we were young. Well, six. Four and listed as six eight. Unless you want to be Dean Malenko, you didn't want to be Dean Malenko. Um, I'm sure a lot of people would love to be Dean Malenko. I mean, just to know that many holds is <laughs> is more than most people accomplish in life. Um, so the tag team champions, the Bar versus the Usos. I mean, that'll be a good match. And actually, I, I mean, both of those teams are sort of you know as good as they could possibly be right now. Yeah. Um, and it makes a little bit more sense to pull the shield out. I mean, the shield. Well, we knew the Ambrose Usos. Rollins was only a certain amount of time that they were going to hold those belts. Like even when they won them, I was like, oh. 
Oh, okay, cool. I'm, yeah, I'm with I mean, this. It, it seemed like a way to kind of like put over the Usos at Survivor Series, yeah. but now I guess that's now that's been shifted. Uh, presumably, we're getting, as you mentioned, the Shield versus the New Day, which is, I mean, just perfect. The yeah, three on threes. That. Yeah, um, I'm very. I mean, that that's going to be awesome. And then we have the two Survivor Series matches. The women's match uh, is Alicia Fox, Nia Jax, Asuka, Sasha Banks, and TBA, one of mm-hmm. my favorite performers, versus. Becky Lynch, Charlotte Flair, Naomi, Carmella, and Tamina. Um, This is this is an interesting one. I feel like I feel there's no way to predict that, and we we don't have to make predictions. I think any team with Oscar is going to win, so I think I'm going to go with Raw on that one. Yeah, I mean, I think that if this just ends up being Oscar destroying people, that's fine. I mean, I think that's what it's going to be. The storyline we're, we're over. I think we're over jobbers at this point. So, like, I think she comes in and just like cleans house on everybody. Yeah, that makes sense. Because um, there's no way she's not losing anytime soon. And that's clear now. She's yeah. on the Braun Strowman again. She's another one of the gifted, touched people. Like, there's no way that she loses anytime soon. Yeah, I know. I, th- I think that. She, I mean, I don't know. I don't really care about wins and losses, but I agree. I mean, she's she's. Uh, one of the absolute sure things on the roster. Call me, Oscar. And then the men's match, we have, wow. Uh, (laughs) Kurt Angle, Captain Kurt Angle, along with Braun Strowman, Finn Balor and Samoa Joe, who hate each other, and Kurt Angle's son, Jason Jordan. Yeah. Versus the SmackDown team of Shane McMahon, Shinsuke Nakamura, Randy Orton, Bobby Roode, and John Cena. Um... I mean, for one thing, it's weird because Shane has been working heel through most of this invasion angle. Yeah. Um, And we talked about this some last week. I mean, Shane's, I mean. He's uh, working heel? Yeah, exactly. It's like, I don't know what he's doing. But like, Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn are right about Shane. Like all the things they hate him for, they're like, they're being honest, you know? So Shane is, is hedging towards his heel territory. But if you look at these two lineups, I mean. SmackDown is the babyface team, right? You got Orton, Nakamura, John Cena, yeah. um, and Bobby Roode, who you know we're we're still trying out as a as a face. Um, obviously, there's baby faces on Team Raw. Um, Braun Strowman's you know turning face as we speak. Finn Balor, enormous face, but like Strowman is a tweener. Yeah, Samoa Joe's a heel. Yeah, Jason Jordan is basically working heel. Yeah, but- it's a we- it's it's the the dynamics will be interesting. I do like we kind of like we kind of have Jason Jordan. It feels like Jason Wait, Jordan. We don't, we don't have a TBA on one of those teams. No, not not so now. It's all that, full now. Yeah, Jason Jordan and he John a, Cena. They were the last. Well, two I don't remember people. if Jordan. I don't remember what the sequence of things that happened on that happened on Raw. But Jason Jordan, Finn, and Samoa Joe were announced on Monday. Right, and then um, on to, on went today. This morning is when Shane announced John Cena. I mean, both teams are really sort of nods to the future with like one, you know, one or two throwbacks to the past. But like the fact that Bobby Roode is, yeah. I mean, that's a big, it's a big spot for him. When you look at the rest of that team, I mean, him beating Ziggler for the, for the spot didn't seem like that big a deal. But when you see all the people that are surrounding him, it does feel like a really big yeah. deal. Um, Nakamura, obviously also, I mean, Nakamura is so weird. It's like, he's almost like an in, like institution. Like he's, he's a giant baby face on the SmackDown side yeah. now. Like it doesn't even feel like that big of a. I mean, that shocking a development that Not he's on this team at all. At all. No. Um, in the way that, you know, Rude was a little bit of a pleasant surprise. Um, Jason Jordan's obviously very, you know, he's the, he is the most up and, up and coming up and comer in this match. Yeah. Um, but that's fine. You know, there needs to be one of those in the match. I, I like, I like, I mean, I love that Samoa Joe and Finn Balor l- little angle on Monday so night. So happy that's back because anybody who watched them in NXT knows that that's, those are great matches and those two work so well together. Oh yeah. It's so good. Um, and then, you know, Strowman, this is a perfect little spotlight for him. It'll yeah. be interesting to see all this plays out, man. Okay. So here's my question. What happens to Sami Zayn and Kevin Owens? Cause I have a theory. It's not a very popular theory, but I do have a theory. Go ahead. I think we're about to see a new NWO. All right. Led by Kevin Owens. Oh, by Kevin Owens. Sami Zayn. Uh Uh-huh. And TB, TBA. (laughs) Because even their promo this week, it's it's so anti-corporate, anti-establishment, like, you know, he even, like, Sami Zayn said so many times, you know, about him being, like, corporate and you know it just it was like really buying into this like old school thing of like you know going against the man like the old dx sort of feel 
And I honestly believe that WWE is sick and tired of seeing Bullet Club t-shirts and Kenny Omega t-shirts. And I think the number one way to do that is to rebrand something like the NWO, find, like sell those t-shirts if you can, because nobody really buys the NWO t-shirts anymore. I think we talked about this in a, in a private text chain. Yeah. And and I I, I think people pop for it like crazy. I'm the world's only hater of the NWO logo design. Yeah. Um, I mean, it was really cool at the time, but like, it's, you know, it's, it looks like it. It looks like a you know font that comes on your laptop. But that said, that NWO shirt is miles better than the new gear that uh, Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn are wearing right the now. Worst. And AJ Styles too. I mean, I don't hate that as much as some people, but like, there's some weird design going on on the SmackDown side. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, it's a far out theory. It's I I don't have any any inside information to say, but I, I do. I, I just feel like something's coming. There's that whole injunction against the too sweet thing was really interesting to me because it's all of a sudden not been a problem up until now. It's like something's up. Something's a cooking. So it, anyway, back to my it, original point. What do, is, you, what do you do with these two guys at Survivor Series? Well, I think that's that's going to be, that's the question, right? I mean, I think you either... Do they come out and fuck over... Oh, can I say that? now? That you can say video? whatever you want. Do they come out and fuck over SmackDown, the whole team, just to sort of like burn yeah, the company Yeah, I mean, that, that's, what I, that's what I was going to say. I think you either... I mean, there's a couple, there, there, there are a few people hanging around, you know, in the margins here and you can imagine, you know, Kane's not on the show or like, well, you can imagine there being some, some wild cards that just come in and, and, and mess things up. I mean, listen, if, if, if Ron's and Ambrose kept the titles, I would have said, I, I would have said, why don't you just have Zayn and Owens beat the Usos for the titles just for the sake of having that, ma- oh, that super match. Great match. Um, but it looks like the tag team, it makes more sense to have the bar versus the Usos. Yeah. Then you got to figure out what to do with Owens and Zayn. I mean, frankly, them. Crazy not ha- thing is that's probably going to be on the pre-show. The bar versus the Usos. I can see that being on like the pre-show. Yeah, yeah. No, it's it's true. This is a, this is a stacked this is a stacked card. Um, and, you know, when the Survivor Series matches take up time. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think storyline wise, it makes sense for Owens and Zayn to not be on the card. Yeah. But you don't have a Survivor Series without Owens and Zayn. Yeah, there's no way they're not there. Yeah, exactly. Uh, shout out to Sami Zayn for his amazing walking when he like came out of backstage on Tuesday he just like was doing this like not quite a goose step but just yeah. sort of like a very uh, just uh, the most heelish walk this side of the Ric Flair strut it's, to me it's been my favorite heel turn in a very long time because so good. all you had to do was take that gimmick that was already at about a nine and a half mm-hmm. and turn it up to 11 and it just became completely fucking annoying. Oh <laughs> yeah. It was like, and he, and good on him for just going with it, man. He knows he's like one of those guys. He just knows you, if you're, if, if they're booing, make them boo harder. Yeah. If they're cheering, make them cheer harder. It's as simple as that. He's very, very good. And it's I mean, uh, I love the new day, like the confrontation between them and the new day on Tuesday, yeah. you know, making fun of his like body like he has never seen a gym was yeah. a great that they just like were eight. You see, it's one of those things where it's like if you say something out loud, it makes it OK. Yeah. You know? Yeah. I mean, Sami Zayn's obviously spent a lot of time in various gyms crisscrossing the country, but yeah. it's, it's a funny joke, man. Yeah. But yeah, it'll be it'll be re- I think you're right. Those that's the wild card. It'll be really interesting to see what happens. Yeah. I just got I just got five in my ear. Our heel producer Jim. Heel says, producer Jim says we're running five. out of time. We didn't talk about. I mean, we talked. We we already touched on the world championship match. Yeah, AJ Styles versus Brock Lesnar has the potential to be a really great match. I think so too. Brock Lesnar's recent history doesn't really, you know, excite too much. Yeah, he doesn't seem to be very interested in having five star matches. No, and I think he's going to no sell like most of the match, but. I don't know. That's a hard one to call because I think you, you don't want to squash or bury either guy. I think it's one of those where you have such contrasting styles that the recipe is there for a really interesting match. Um, because Lesnar's going to have to do some things that he's not used to, and AJ's going to have to do some things he's not used to 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 sell it. Uh, so if they both want to work, we'll see. I think if it's just AJ bumping for fifteen minutes, I'll be happy. Yeah, just selling, just selling Brock's like monster attack. Yeah. Anyway, I mean, I guess that the real wild card here would be if I mean this has got to be the match right I mean they're not going to pull they're not going to do some like like Hogan Bret Hart thing where like somehow this ends up being Cena versus Lesnar in the main event oh, God. I don't think so no I th- I think we're looking at an AJ Styles Brock Lesnar the, I, the, the biggest question is what you know does gender Mahal is, is something else if, if something else isn't up if there's not something a little more nefarious behind yeah. the scenes 
then he'll get injected into this match somehow. Injected. That's a good go. choice of words. But thank you. Well, what can he join the New World Order? No. Can I it just be like? Him. Can we just make it Team Canada instead of the New World Order, and no. he's on that team? But what, hey, that's a good idea, though. Just like the Canadians running amok. Yeah, there's a hey. lot of Canadians. There's always been a lot of Canadians. Yeah, for sure. All right, we got to get out of here. Is there anything, Jim? Say, tell. Is there anything that we forgot to say today? Shout out to Ozzy. Yeah, man. I can't wait till Ozzy's a regular on this podcast. All right, man. Well, this has been a big week. I'm glad we actually got to cover for cover everything. Yeah, I man. feel like we. I feel like we got to I it think all. We covered pretty much everything. Check out the 30 for 30 on Ric Flair if you haven't. I can't imagine anybody listening to oh, this. Oh, wait, I do have it. something to add. Oh, wait. I have been waiting for intergender wrestling for so long. In WWE. Yes, that you give me James Ellsworth and Be- Becky Lynch, Ellsworth and Becky Lynch, uh-huh. and I cannot forgive that sin. That is maybe the worst thing I've ever watched on a television screen. <laughs> ever. Wait, so you were so excited about the, the prospect for well, intergender like, oh, wrestling. Oh, we're going to... Are they really going to let him wrestle? Right. Like, is he going to land some shots on her? Can we do this now? But again, you know, somebody inside of that company once said to me that once we became a Fortune 500 company, uh-huh. these kind of things will never happen again because yeah. you have st- you have shareholders now, you have stockholders, and they're not going to live in a world where a man is out there slamming a woman through a table unless it's an occasional accidental bump here and there. Right. But unless it's a seventy-year-old woman, yeah. And Bubba but Ray it's Dudley like is power I, I want to see it. I want to see it. I think there's some really cool matchups that could be made. And so I just thought maybe this was <laughs> taking the lid off, you know, to that world, and let's see how people respond to it. But it wasn't that at all. It was just a train wreck of awfulness. So it would be really great if they did another cruiserweight classic and just like entered one diva in it. Yeah. The thing is, you can't do. I mean, you know, Charlotte or somebody. Yeah, would be like an, a legitimate competitor. Yeah. And like four or five inches taller than almost all the dudes That's in the what competition. I see. It might I would probably rather see Becky Lynch just go in there and like work her ass off. Yeah. Um Becky Lynch, Pete Dunn, make it happen. Oh my gosh. <laughs> You're booking WrestleMania now. <laughs> Don't get ahead of yourself. We got Survivor Series got in, so a, in a week and a half or something like that. And uh and in the meantime, we got you know some exciting we at least this week had some exciting wrestling stuff even though i don't know the shows weren't like the best shows i've ever seen but like we had stuff happening a lot of intrigue um there's stuff on new japan there's stuff on espn there's stuff on the usa network and kazee's back on the podcast yes the most important return in all wrestling every time i go any place hey when you're gonna be back on the podcast you know everybody asks do you do you want to plug anything um, as a as as this podcast resident uh, celebrity, I have uh, a couple of weekends coming up at uh, Joe's Chuckle Shack uh, in <laughs> Poughkeepsie, Upstate New York. It took me too long to realize you were joking. <laughs> you got worked. Uh, no, I have nothing to promote or plug. Um, I'm going to be on uh, NBC's Blind Spot sometime in the in the in the new year. I'll let you know more. That's as awesome. It gets closer. I cannot wait to see you on NBC. Thank you. On Thank you. on under the bright lights of a of a television network where you, where you belong. Yeah, Love Network TV. It's not Saturday night's main event, but it's it's the same channel. Yep. You can check me out at David Shoemaker on Twitter whenever I rarely tweet. You can tweet the show at Maskman Show. And this is the Maskman Show, part of the Ringer Podcast Network. As always, apologies to Dean Ambrose. We'll see you back here next week, humanoids. A mile long with 25 women just died for me to go, woo, because I'm the world champion, sucker.